Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. The title of my message tonight is, If I Were Looking for a Church, What Kind Would I Look For? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm convinced that some churches in the New Testament were better than others, and we're going to briefly look at a literal church in the Bible, the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, what you'll see is that the Apostle Paul is commending this church. He's bragging on this church. He's complimenting this church. And if I lived in the first century, I believe that I would have wanted to be a member of a church like this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the truth in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. I want to preach this message because I believe that it's important for us to know what type of church God would have this church to remain, and also what type of church he would have Cornerstone Baptist Church in Chicago to remain. This won't be a super doctrinal message. It'll be much more practical. I'm not saying theology is going to go out the window with the message, but it's going to be a very practical sermon. What kind of church this place should remain? What type of church you ought to want to be a member of? I've made up my mind that there are some types of churches that I don't want to be a member of. And I'd like to start right there. First of all, I would not want to be a member of the type of church that greets everyone with a holy kiss. Amen? I'm sorry, but this just isn't the day and age to be kissing on anybody that comes along. Secondly, I would not like to be a member of the type of church that makes their services a dance floor. Please understand, I like amens. I love to say amen. And sometimes when the preaching's good, I almost lose my holding back straps when it's time to say amen. I like emotion. 
But you can go too far. And, and one preacher said these people might make it to heaven if they don't run past it. Please learn something. Remember this. Emotion without devotion is nothing but carnal commotion. That's all it is. is a bunch of noise. Again, some churches I would not like to be a member of. But I believe I would have liked to have been a member of this church. If you were looking for a church, what kind would you look for? The Bible says in Ephesians 5.27 that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. If I were looking for a church, what kind would I look for? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you speak to us now? Would you encourage us? Lord, I thank you that this is the type of church I'm going to preach about tonight. And Lord, I pray that you'd use the message for some of these newer people to get them going in the direction you'd have them to go. And Lord, I pray that you use the message in all of our hearts to rekindle maybe a flame that's died down. Lord, I just pray that you make us grateful for the good churches that you've left here to do your work. Lord, I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the privilege of preaching your word, especially in this pulpit. And I pray that good things would be accomplished because we came together tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Churches in 2014 are a dime of dozen. I don't care where you go in the U.S. of A., you're going to find all kinds of churches. If you go north to the Canadian line, you're going to find churches. If you go south all the way to the Rio Grande, you're going to find churches. If you go east, you'll find churches. West, you'll find churches. This is a day of churches. All kinds of churches. Big churches. Little churches. Beautiful churches. Ugly churches. Rich churches. Poor churches. Hot churches. Cold churches. Growing churches. Dying churches. Churches are as plentiful as Chevrolet. Churches are as abundant as Coca-Cola. I'm simply saying that you can't go anywhere and not see churches. If you go to the city of Chicago, you'll find three or four churches on one block. On one block. You'll see storefront buildings where there's, you know, one big building and there's three or four churches that meet in that building. You'll go up some streets and it'll be church bar, church bar, church bar for miles and miles and miles. Churches everywhere. If you go down to the Bible Belt, down south, beautiful, big churches, those buildings down there, they're beautiful. Churches everywhere. But how do you choose the right one? How do you know the church that's the best church? How do you know the church that's going to touch your heart? How do you know the church that's going to stir your heart and move you for the things of God? How do you know the church that's the best church for your family? How do you know the church that's going to build you up spiritually? How do you know the church that you can trust? The credible ministry where we can attend? I believe all of us would agree that this is a day of shipwrecked ministries. Some are shipwrecked money-wise or financially. Many churches have overextended themselves as far as debt is concerned. And because of this, they're a stench in their community. They're a reproach. 
there's a reproach hovering about their ministry. Many churches are a reproach because of the pastor. Maybe he's fallen into adultery, fallen into some sin. Some churches are in a state where they've got pastors that have stayed too long in that church. I'm sorry, but their get up and go has gotten up and gone. And they've decided, hey, I'm the pastor. I'm going to die in this church, even if the church dies with me. That's wrong. This is a day of shipwrecked ministries. I've never really had to choose a local church. God's always chosen it for me. When I was saved off the bus route, that was the church that reached me. That was the church I was saved under that ministry. Listen, I didn't know what I was doing. But, but the Holy Spirit was working on my heart. And, and I did what, I, what, what the Holy Spirit said to do. I just got plugged in. And then God led me to come to Fairhaven Baptist College. Praise God that He led me to this place. And I got here and I, I just did what was natural. I, I got plugged in. And then God said to leave this place. One of the hardest things for me personally because I love this church. And God said, go to Chicago and, and start a new church. And, and listen, God puts you in a church. Allow Him to do that. What kind of church would we all want to be a member of? Let me start out by saying something that I hope will go to your heart and you'll take it to heart. Put more importance on the church you join than the house you buy. If we'll approach church like that, man, I believe we'll choose the church God would have us to be in. You see, when it's time to buy a house, we become real scrutinous, don't we? When it's time to find a place to live, we do our homework, don't we? Put more importance on the church you join than the house you buy. You see, it's not really that important what kind of house you live in. It's not really that important what kind of car you drive or how much money you have in the bank. But it is deadly important what kind of church you're a member of. And if you join a weak church, friend, you'll start to die on the vine. You'll start to rot on the vine. You go join one of these weak churches. You go join one of these uh, 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 mega churches or one of these entertainment centers. Spiritually, you'll start to rot on the vine, I promise you. And by the way, you won't change that church. That church will change you. Churches are important. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 26, if you would. When we were going to Chicago, we were praying about where God would have us to live and where God would have us to meet. And it was ironic that we found a place to have church before we found a place to live. And in my carnal way of thinking, that didn't sit very well because it didn't make sense that we'd have a place to have church and nowhere to lay our heads. And it wasn't until a lot of time later that I came to this verse and God cleared it all up for me. Look at Genesis chapter 26, verse number 25. This is referring to Isaac. The Bible says in Genesis 26, 25, And he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants digged the well. In this passage, it teaches that before he pitched his tent, where he would live, he built an altar. The order was the same way it was in my life. And I thought about Isaac. He erected his altar, which was his place of worship, before his tent. 
Was he not saying that the most important thing in his life was where he was going to worship God? And that God would take care of the rest? And he always does. Church is so important. Church is where you're going to get in touch with heaven. Church is where you're going to get the power of God on your life. That church is going to have a profound impact on the children you raise. And what I'm saying tonight is that church is important. What are the qualities we should look for in the church? What are the advantages? What are the calling cards, so to speak? Well, I'm convinced that people are looking today for the wrong things in their church. Some people look for things that they should not be looking for in a church. I've seen this all over the place. And God's given me an opportunity to preach in in several different places. And, And as I talk to people door knocking, I find that people join churches for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes they join for the financial advantages that church will offer. That's a poor reason. You see, they get in their minds that if they get in a certain church, then they can network with certain people and they can build up their business. Listen, if that's what you're looking for at Fairhaven, find some other church. Some people look for social opportunities. They want to get in and rub shoulders because they want to perhaps run for public office. That's a poor reason to look for a church. Some people say, I want to be around people my own age. And that's the determining factor. I'm going to go where my friends go. Fellowship is important, but it's not the most important thing. Some people choose a church by a super music program. I enjoy music, but it's not the most important thing. How can we know what kind of church we ought to be looking for and join? Well, friend, I feel that there's no better place for us to go tonight than the Word of God. The Bible, it won't be a very deep message, but I believe it will be some things you can use. And I'm going to show you what type of church I'd join if I were looking for a church. Number one, a church that's consistently, continually fulfilling the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, when Jesus Christ left this world, he gave a mandate He didn't tell his disciples to build me a big monument of brass and build an image that looks just like me. Jesus didn't say that because he knew that if he made that command, that they'd worship the image instead of himself. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't say, build me great buildings. He didn't say that. Now, buildings are are wonderful. There's nothing wrong with them. And, and, And I'm praying that God will give us a beautiful building. But churches like this are the exception where you've got substance and a beautiful building. Jesus knew that if they focused on buildings, that building would become a golden calf. And they would dance around the building and substitute the building for His presence and power. And by and large, that is exactly what has happened today in Christianity. The only thing that Jesus left was a message, a mandate, a challenge to get the gospel all over these neighborhoods, to get the gospel on every block, on every corner, in every nation, in every city, and the far-flung corners of the globe. That's what Jesus said to do. And if I were looking for a church, I would examine how they're treating the Great Commission. I would examine how they're treating the Great Commission abroad. 
I would wonder if they're doing something about souls that are dying on the other side of the globe. But I would also look and see what they're doing at home. At home. You see, it's easy to send out missionaries to do the work on the foreign field than it is to love the souls on your own block, in your own neighborhood. It's easy to send a missionary a couple hundred dollars a month than it is to go out and knock on doors on Saturday and love souls yourself. And lots of people have transferred their responsibility to missionaries when God says we are to win souls ourselves. And so the mindset of a good church is where are we going to get the gospel to next? Who's the next family we need to reach? Where is the next place that needs a church? What field? That's the Great Commission. And I would look at that. I would not join a church. I wouldn't attend a church. I wouldn't give one dime to a church or contribute any effort if they were neglecting the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said to go, and I wouldn't be a part of a church that wasn't going. I heard recently of a church that put... $170,000 into a chandelier that would hang in the lobby. Now, please understand, there's missionaries on the field that need support. There are churches that need to be started, colleges, good colleges like this one, about the only one, that's, that's trying to train preachers and Christian school teachers and all of the needs of the world. And we don't take up that much money in offerings in Chicago. But listen, if we did, I'd be afraid that God would kick me over the moon if I put $170,000 into a missionary or into a chandelier and ignored the needs around the world. The Great Commission. If I were looking for a church, I'd look at how they're fulfilling the Great Commission. Secondly, I'd look for a church that would feed me a steady diet of nourishing soul food. Soul food. Now, when I say soul food, I know what some of you are thinking about. You're thinking about greens and cornbread and ham hocks and pinto beans and fried chicken. No, I'd be looking for a church that fed me a steady diet of the Word of God. I wouldn't join a church that would just feed me the type of food that tastes good. Listen, I love to eat. I love to eat. But many, and many of you do too, I can see it under your chin. (laughs) Many churches are just feeding people junk food, you see. You know what I found out? That the food that I eat most and like most is food that's not that good for me. (laughs) You see? Junk food. And there's a lot of churches that are in the junk food business tonight. You know, I think of these guys like Joel Osteen. I think he's the hostess factory of Christianity. (laughs) Junk food. Now, I know what junk foods are. I love them all. I love them. I love pizza. I love it in Chicago. It's deep dish. I mean, come on. I love fried chicken. I love fried chicken. Italian beef, that's my favorite sandwich, I think, in the world. I mean, you put those jardinera peppers on there, and that stuff just starts dripping down your arm, and it falls apart. 
Man, that's good food, fries from McDonald's. Come on. Listen, I would, I, I've gone to Burger King, <laughs> bought my sandwich, and crossed the street to go get my fries from McDonald's. Because they're that good. Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts had a, a pumpkin pie donut they were promoting not that long ago. Those things are addicting. I think they put a narcotic in there or something. Ice cream from Cold Stone. They've got a flavor called cake batter. Ice cream. You remember when your mom used to make cake? I remember this. And she'd, she'd leave the bowl and she'd let me lick the bowl. They've got a flavor of ice cream that tastes like that at Cold Stone. I love it. Mexican food. But the problem is that churches today are in that kind of business too. And it's wrong. What about the, the food of this book? What about doctrine? What about reproof? Correction, instruction, and righteousness. Now, I'm having fun tonight. It's a different kind of a message. But they need the Word of God. We need the Word of God. Your children need the Word of God. They need to be kept in the Word of God. Sunday school. Sunday night. Thursday night. Wednesday night in Chicago. Food that's going to build people up spiritually. What are some ways you can know if a church is feeding the flock and building them up to the point where they become mature in the faith? How do you know if they're getting fed? First of all, do people come? Do people come? How do you know a really good restaurant? When you walk in the restaurant, if it's busy, what's the first thing you think? Other than I I hope I can get a seat. You think, whoa, food must be good. Full. I walked into a restaurant last week just to scope it out to see what it looked like on the inside. And it was, you know, 7 o'clock at night. I walked in and there was one table being used by customers. One table. And I thought to myself, huh, I wonder what the food tastes like. See how many people are eating there. That's how you know if the food's good. And the same is true in our churches. Do people come to hear the word? Secondly, do the members talk about the food they get? That's how you can know if people are getting fed in church. Do they talk about it? Now, when you go to a good restaurant and you eat that food, you come back and you start talking about it. Or people brag about mama's cooking. And when people love the preaching that they get in a church, they're going to talk about it. It means something to them. They're going to share it. So you sit at the table for a while and you taste it. And see if it's the kind of food you need. If it's going to produce growth in your life. If it's the kind of preaching that's going to give you the energy on Monday morning to get up and go to work. You see? Stale churches don't produce that kind of results. Stale churches, I wouldn't give you a dime for a stale church. Charles Spurgeon said, that some churches are like old dry wells. There's nothing in them but some dead cats and some dry leaves. A man gets on one verse and he preaches on it for a whole year. Listen, variety is the spice of life. If the food you're getting doesn't energize you to get up and do something for God, it's the wrong food. It's the wrong food. Choose a church that feeds people the Word of God. Third, If I were looking for a church, I would choose a church that would build a wall of protection around my children. 
A church that ministers to young people. A church that's going to teach them the Word of God. Junior church. Camp. Youth group. And build within them a resistance to the sins of this day. A church that's going to teach them what sin is. And call it like it is. And teach them how to deal with that sin. A church that's going to teach them how to face temptation. A church that's going to teach my kids to hate sin. When we think of sin, we think of clubs, Las Vegas, public schools, bars. But there's a whole lot of sin going on in churches today. An awful lot of sin. All the sexual sins that are in churches today. The right kind of church is going to make young people that are fooling around with any type of sexual sin, that church is going to make them uncomfortable, miserable. Timothy was a young man. Some say he was about 15 years old. No one knows for sure, but the Bible says he was well reported of as a young man. He had already established his morals. He had already established his direction. He had solidified his goals. He knew what God expected of him. And to him, Paul said, flee youthful lusts. As a young man, we should be teaching the people that are young in our churches how to flee youthful lusts. And the name brand churches of today don't do that. They don't do it. You think of the charismatic churches. Man, I grew up in a charismatic church. And you think of the charismatic church. I'm talking about where they yell and scream. And that that building's moving. I mean, you can stand outside and watch the building just go up and down. And watch the steeple shake. And then you can hear the bass. And and they're running around the pews and getting excited. But I grew up in that kind of church. And what I learned is that while they're getting happy in God's house, their kids are out in the park car being wicked. Parents are in the church jumping around and going, wow. And the pastor is up there getting the people excited, but he's not teaching them how to raise their kids. Young people ought to be right in church hearing the same word that you hear. And I need a wall of protection around my kids. My kids are bad. I'm telling you. That wall of protection is priceless and a church ought to provide it. And that's what you ought to look for if you're looking for a church. Fourth, if I were looking for a church, I would look for a church that's going to give me something to do. I don't want to warm a pew. I don't want to warm a pew. I would look for a church that's going to put me to work. Christianity is a doing ministry, is it not? When Saul of Tarsus was saved, what was the first thing he said? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? If you're content to sit on that pew, something's wrong. We need to be busy. If you read the book of Titus, underline how often you see the phrase good works. And no church is really a good church unless it's a workshop for Jesus Christ. No church is really a good church unless it's a beehive. No church is a good church unless it's exercising spiritual sweat for the kingdom of God. Christ gave the great commission to the church. And you're not right if you're not serving in your local church. And the real reason some people don't serve in their local church is because they don't want to do the type of job that's going to get their hands dirty. 
I got in trouble when I was on the bus routes here in college. And I think it was about, I don't know, May. And Tony Wright was my bus captain, and he just looked at me and said, you're on bus clean for the rest of the year. I could have got, got a bad attitude. I could and, and, and a little since I did. But I got over it, and I swept the bus. You see? Too many people want to be a chief, not an Indian. But this church is a little bit different. It's like our church in Chicago, and we pattern a lot out of what we learn here. Listen, you're not going to get any position doing anything if you're not faithful. If you're not faithful, you're not needed on the first string. Faithfulness is important. And, and I, I saw it here. Man, they don't care who you are. If you're not faithful, you're not going to do it. That's the way it ought to be. You're not going to point someone to something if they're not faithful. You give every child and young person the idea in this church that you can serve God and not be faithful. Sending the wrong message. You need to be an example of holiness and faithfulness, and then you're given a job. And then we're in it for His glory, not for applause. Uh, Could you wash the baptismal garments of some of these bus kids? Could you sweep that bus or is it beneath you? People don't want the hard jobs because you want a ready-made position with gravy poured all over it, a marshmallow ministry, a cream puff ministry. No, there's plenty of work to do in this church if you're willing to give of your Saturdays to tell bus parents and bus kids how to get to heaven. It'll cost you something. Fifth, I'd look for a church where they stewarded my money properly. Where they stewarded my money. Where they protect my money from misuse and abuse. Where they'd invest my money as far as that money can go. Where they'd assure and ensure me that my money is being used to win souls to Jesus Christ. And that one day that money is going to be reckoned up in heaven to my account. And one day I'm going to see my money again because I'm going to see the souls that were saved through that church. Can I preach tonight for a second? There are too many preachers around the world that are living too high on the hog. Now I believe that preachers and missionaries ought to be comfortable. The Bible teaches they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel, but there's balance needed here. There's preachers in America living in million and two and three million dollar homes. Yet when I look at the Lord Jesus Christ, I see that he said foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Jesus, I don't believe, had a change of clothes. He didn't have a social security number. He didn't have a cell phone. And he didn't have a bed. That money's needed for missions, church planning, keep gas in the buses. And money can ruin a preacher. That's why most missionaries are worthless. Money ruins them. No, you want a church that knows how to take that money and translate it into souls. You invest into God's work. By the way, you invest... Your tithes and offerings into this church. See, I know this church. You invest your tithes and offerings into this church, and you're going to see it translated into souls. And that's exciting. Crowns to cast at his feet. And then last, I just wanted to put this in. 
If I were looking for a church, I would look for a church that would provide me with a fitting funeral. Christians die too. (laughs) And I believe they ought to die a right kind of way. And I believe that their funeral ought to be done a right kind of way. I've been to a lot of funerals and I've thought, boy, I I wouldn't want to be a member of this church. That pastor didn't even care enough to prepare the eulogy for the person that's in the casket. And if he prepared it, a five-year-old helped him do it. I wouldn't want to be a member of that type of church. You see, a funeral is not a show. It's not a put-on. But when someone graduates to heaven, their funeral ought to be done in a right way. And this is the type of church that will do that for you. You say, why would you put that in? I've listened to new Christians in Chicago who don't have, they have family members that die. And their family members aren't connected to any church. And I've heard new Christians say, man, if there's no other reason to have a good church so that you got something, you know, when you die to help you out. To help put your carcass in the ground, you see. I believe it's important. Now, let me ask you a question. Does the church you're a member of meet those qualifications? If not, you're in the wrong church with the wrong pastor. If it does meet those qualifications, you are blessed. You are blessed. But you have a responsibility in this church. You say you're preaching to the choir, Pastor Lewis. Well, I've learned that choir members need to get right with God sometimes, too. What bus kid's door were you too busy to knock on last week? What son or daughter are you trying to hide? from the wall of protection that this church provides. Well, I'm glad I'm close enough to send my kids to school here and they can be a part of this wall of protection. I'm not trying to hide them. Hey, help me out! You try to hide your kids. (laughs) I use preacher's words. Stupid. (laughs) Try to hide your kids. They're just trying to help you raise them up for God. Thank God for that wall. What lowly job have you been inwardly crabbing about? How can the church faithfully steward your tithe if you don't give it? Have you been inwardly craving for junk food from the pulpit other than the straight preaching of God's word? Dig in. Plant your roots here and grow. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.